let's be clear that Jesus is not a consolation prize for the single. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I, you're single, but you get Jesus, so right. it's okay. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. No, Jesus is the highest prize for everyone, whether married or single. And if you are single, Jesus is more than enough. And if you are single and you're going to get married, in your marriage, Jesus must be more than enough. Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the podcast, Every Moment His. And it is a look deeper into the sermon about how the gospel impacts every single moment of our lives. So, how's it going, Pastor Tim? It's, it's good. It's good. We are we're going through our, our sermon series on vocations called Save to Serve, and it's, it's going great so far. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And so, I like, you know, an opportunity to get practical me too. With some of these uh, topics about daily life. And today we're going to talk about singleness and the blessing that is for the church and how scripture speaks about this in a very positive way. Uh, but, uh, and we're a little out of order uh, because we haven't r- really preached on this yet. Right. We'll preach on that this Coming Sunday. Uh, we're going to have our, our wives on the next podcast to talk about uh, marriage, but we're trying to make schedules align to make that work. Yep. So yes. it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got a joke. Okay. We were approached uh, a couple weeks after church by uh, Parker Radke, a young man in our congregation. Yep. And he had a joke for us, and we thought it was a good one. Yeah. So let's hear it. Um, do you remember it? Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Okay. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> um, when is it time to go to the doctor? Please tell me. Ake 30. Ake 30. Yeah. Man, that's good. And then when is it time to go to the dentist? I think it would be tooth 30, right? You got it, man. That's yeah. <laughs> tooth 30. <laughs> Thank you, Parker. Yeah, a good, good one. one. Shout out to Parker Radke for bringing yeah. the jokes. Bringing the jokes. Yep. My, yeah. uh, my kids have a favorite one lately, and that is, what do you call a, a bear with no teeth? Hit me. A gummy bear. A gummy bear. <laughs> I mean, it's just nice and simple and yeah. Okay. Keeping it easy. Keeping it <laughs> keeping it real. Thanks. Yeah. Max. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about singleness today, and I think that's a really important thing to talk about because I think that sometimes marriage gets prioritized in churches, and especially churches in what we'd call the Protestant or Lutheran tradition. Mm. In Roman Catholicism, for example, maybe celibacy or singleness, you know, chosen singleness is prioritized uh, above all things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we want to talk about how scripture really talks about marriage in a positive light, but also singleness in a very positive light. And there's different kind of degrees of this. There's, we're all single for some time of our life, mm-hmm. uh, but then there is also a calling of singleness and and then there's also seasons of singleness. So. Yeah, and maybe this is a good time just to acknowledge and like apologize a little bit. Like I feel bad that sometimes marriage can eclipse every conversation mm-hmm. and yeah. single because it's so forefront in church the church life. Right. You know, so much of the church life revolves around Sunday school, bringing up kids, getting married. And Children's sermons, all yeah, that. Right. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we've forgotten 
um, about singleness, and and that's not how the Bible speaks. No, it doesn't. You know, so I think we're doing a disservice to singles in our congregations if we uh, if we create cultures that are so marriage focused that it's to the exclusion of the single life. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, so if we're you're listening apologizing. To this, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> that's not the, that's not the scriptures. And if you've experienced church in that way, um, know that there's uh, that is not the intent of the Holy Spirit through the scriptures for you. And you know, I think that's the fun thing about reading the scriptures and trying our best to take off our cultural lenses. Because as we read the scriptures, the New Testament in particular, we're going to see that singleness. Um, was was really important in the early church. And that's what I love about church history, too, is we read mm-hmm. church history. Some of the greatest fathers and mothers of the church uh, were single. That's right. And Christianity was countercultural at the time, mm-hmm. especially because in the Jewish context, if you were not married by the time you were like 20, you were looked at as something's wrong with you. Right. And we might feel a little bit a little bit of that pressure today, um, but it was pretty extreme in the Jewish context. Like it wasn't good to be mm-hmm. single or a, even a widow. That yeah. was kind of a taboo, or to be a bachelor that was kind of unheard of. Right, and and so then it was kind of a religious thing. You should be married. This is your duty before God. And I would say now in the twenty first century that it's more of a secular kind of pressure in the mm-hmm. sense that you need to find your before anyone else, right? Your soulmate. You need to find that person who completes you. You need to pair up so that you're complete. Mm. And and scripture's going to push back on that pretty hard. Yeah. So there's kind of two pitfalls there maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of this traditionalism that says, hey, if you're not doing the family thing, there's something wrong with you. And then there's this kind of Western individualism that says, "Hey, if you're not, if you're not finding that one special person to fulfill all your deepest longings and desires, you're missing out, and you're not going to be your best you." And that's kind of what you preached about. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what does the scripture say? Um, well, first of all, I think we should look at uh, what Jesus says, and I think th- I remember when I first started studying this passage in particular. It's in Mark chapter 12, and also in Matthew, but I could not get my head wrapped around it. And so let me just paint the picture real quick. I'll read this one and get some some reactions here. But um, the Sadducees came to Jesus, and they're, they're the ones who say there is no resurrection. So they're asking him a question about the resurrection. And they asked him a question saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but leaves no child— The man must take the widow um, and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, he left no offspring. And the second took her and died and left no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. So... They're trying to, it's like this gotcha moment on Jesus from the Sadducees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't believe in the resurrection. Jesus did. And so they're trying to get him and they throw this this crazy question at, at him, right? Yeah, that's just so sad, you see, right? <laughs> <Not> <laughs> yeah, believing in the 
Right. That was a bad one. That's, <laughs> they are sad, you know, not really, yeah. <laughs> not believing in the resurrection. Right. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to them, it is not, is this not the reason you are wrong? I love that honesty. Like, you guys are just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a great opening line. Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Slam dunk on them right there. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Now, can I quick add a disclaimer? Yeah. When you die, you don't become an angel. Yes. That's a whole different podcast episode. They are but like. Like. In this respect. <laughs> in this respect. Yeah. Like that you don't die, that uh, you're, you have right. this heavenly And And body. not only that, but angels in heaven, they do not take uh, a spouse they don't procreate and they don't procreate yeah and so in heaven he's saying that when we are resurrected into eternal life there's no longer marriage or being given in marriage and that means there's no more children being born Mm -hmm. and that means we will not have the same uh, setting right we will not have the same uh, temporal era where we have marriage, but there's going to be something different going on. And the reason why this blows my mind, right, is because it's very hard to imagine that uh, kind of relationship. And second, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who's, who've said something like, well, if I'm not going to be married in heaven, I don't want to go there. That's always been like a, you know, interesting discussion yeah. like, with your spouse. Like, are we going to be married in heaven? <laughs> right. Well, it doesn't look like it. No, yeah. I mean, and so we have to grapple with these words from Jesus. But one of the things that it teaches us is that marriage, as we know it today, man and woman getting together, bringing babies into the world, doing the family thing, that that is a temporal blessing. Yeah, it's not the ultimate Mm-hmm. Thing And, you know, and I would even say in, in 21st century Western culture, we've even taken the family part out of it. And we've just said that the sex thing is kind of what we're mm-hmm. after. That's what people want. Kind of the That's soul kind of intimacy. The, uh, is it Bruno Mars has the song, uh, Your Sex Brings Me to Paradise? <laughs> and it's this language of heaven. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been locked out of heaven. Yep. It's this ecstatic language of sexuality being the experience of heaven. That's really telling because that is is what people think of as the purpose of life. Or, I mean, we think about, I think about like Twilight, the Twilight series, like it's so hyper-focused on this like really romanticized, you know, thousand year love life, right? And it's like that becomes this ultimate destiny piece. Mm -hmm. And what the bi- what the scriptures are saying to us is that's false. In fact, that right. reveals some idolatry. That 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 marriage and and sex are a great gift, but they're not like the gift. In fact, some theologians have suggested that even sex, you know, the 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 pleasure and the joy of that union, points to an even greater union, which is the union of Jesus and His church. That mm-hmm. it's a greater joy that it's pointing to, and. Um, I think I mentioned this in one of the sermons. You know, you preach four times on a weekend, and and one of the sermons, I guess it was a bonus couple sentences, but uh, 
there's a sociologist, can't remember his name, uh, because I don't know the names of sociologists, you know, <laughs> off the cuff. It's not like I have, you know, sociologist yeah. trading cards at home. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> I don't, no. <laughs> you could borrow mine if you want. Okay, all right. Uh, um, it's Ernest something. But anyways, he, he says, he talks about this idea of apocalyptic romance. And it's this idea that in the absence of the worship of God in our culture, mm -hmm. that what fills in is our worship of one of the greatest gifts God has given, which is sexuality. And so that becomes the thing that people worship and that they just want and they crave. And, and so we see the, the lover, whether it be within marriage or out of marriage, that, that person as our redeemer, as the person who fulfills all our longings and desires, uh, who brings us into paradise. And right. so even religious language is being used. And so, and so really, yeah, this is a good point. Uh, the love that is in Christ is the ultimate love to which all loves, including marriage, point us to. That, that this is the love, right? Mm -hmm. This is the union. This is the joy that we should ultimately be after. Yeah, so if we are so fixated on uh, finding a spouse mm -hmm. or so fixated on our, sing uh, our singleness as a lack of something, um, we're kind of... Like the secret would be that that marriage or that institution of marriage is not ultimate because it's not gonna it's not gonna be there in the mm -hmm. life of the resurrection. What will be there is our intimate relationship with Jesus and right. and mm -hmm. God. And then also, yeah. I think we will know each other in an extremely intimate way without the fog of sin. Right. And our relationships will be on this level that is so incredible. It'll even surpass our earthly marriages. Yeah, and that's a good thing to, to think of that. In fact, I think that, that when we understand that, the more deeply rooted we are in understanding that Jesus is the, the source and the fountain of true joy, uh, that if we're married, that's going to allow us to be married in a better way so that we don't make an idol out of our spouse, mm -hmm. which makes everybody miserable in the end. And as a single person, we don't make an idol out of trying to find a spouse, uh, if that's what God's called us to. You know, we are centered in the love that excels all loves. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, as, as we're talking about singleness, I think the first thing we should just point out is, in summary, marriage is not ultimate. Yeah. And it's not ultimate for anyone. It's not ultimate for married people. Mm -hmm. It's not ultimate for single people. So... And that's something that has to be revealed to us. You know, if you believe you have a, a um, future that is surpasses earthly marriage and earthly mm -hmm. family life, well, then it kind of reframes everything. So it that does. if whether or not I have marriage, I can be content, even joyful, and filled with hope at what I already do have in Christ. Yeah. So that's the first thing. The first point is just marriage is, is an awesome blessing but it's temporary, it's not ultimate. And what you what is ultimate, if you're a Christian, you already have. Let's move on to another point, and uh, this is one I really want to focus on too because it's often neglected in the church, is that singleness is a gift and it's an honorable vocation in the kingdom of God. Um, now, it's interesting that in um, Paul's letter to the uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, I believe, chapter 7, Paul's dealing with this question of singleness. And, you know, Paul says, 
that, you know, those who marry will have worldly troubles and he wants to spare people from that. Yeah. This that almost sounds like a, a bachelor joke. What? This, <laughs> this statement from Paul, he says, Hey, if you get married, man, it's going to be a lot of work. It's going to be gonna tough. Be earthly troubles, man. Yeah. Should just duck that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's pointing out, especially during this time where there yeah. was maybe looming persecution, maybe families torn apart through the persecution um, of, from the Roman Empire. But he says, if you're married, it's a blessing. It's a great thing. It's, it's from God. But there are going to be pressures and yeah. difficulties uh, in, in pleasing your spouse, in caring for children, uh, that Paul says that he'd actually like to spare us from, mm-hmm. given the time and the circumstances of his day. And then he goes on to talk about himself. I mean, Paul was not married. Right. Yeah, never never was married and he well, and he's a good poster child for this because if you could think about Paul having a wife and kids as he's traveling around to all these different places and like every, pretty much every time he went and preached in a synagogue, he got beat up. Yeah. He was it's, I think he was stoned twice. He was given the 30 lashes, 39 lashes mm-hmm. that Jesus had twice. Uh be almost beaten to death multiple times run out of cities you know he's been naked um persecuted all of these things could you imagine him writing that home to his wife all the time yeah right honey i'm doing okay i might not look the same when i get home because i got a couple teeth knocked out um but that that's hard and so he says in the same chapter as chapter six of first corinthians he says i want you to be free from anxieties the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And similarly, an unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Um, And so he points out, and I think there's just this, just dead practical reasoning to to this. It's like when you get married, it's much harder to maintain a, a life of your friends. You cannot have the same amount of friendship hmm. interactions. Right. And that's why, you know, when people get married, their friends kind of mourn that. <laughs> I'm not going to see them as much because their priorities have shifted and rightly yeah. so. And there's a difference, right? But St. Paul is saying, hey, you shouldn't avoid marriage in order to be more selfish and just have to have more fun but as a christian single you might maintain your singleness in order that you could maximize your service to the lord and in his kingdom yeah and i think of people i've known in the in the church in past years uh in churches or in my time at the seminary who were single and and for some of them, it was a, a season of singleness where they, where they would get married if they found the right person, if it was the right time, uh, a good Christian spouse. But for others, it was really kind of a vocation that they took up. They, they had chosen uh, through prayer uh, that they had said, I want to be single. And they were such bright lights in their church that mm-hmm. they were uh, really serving and they were free to, to just be servants. And... Um, but I, I think we need to also comment on how 
singleness that the scriptures talks about is different than singleness than the world talks about because the world could talk about singleness like yeah i just want to be single i don't want to be tied down i don't want to get married yeah kids Uh, scare me yeah kids scare me Yeah. yeah and and then the singleness that is uh, was embraced in the early church and even by many Christians now. I'm going to share a quote from the, the classic book, uh, Mere Christianity. And by the way, if you're listening to this, just go buy this book and read it. Um, it's wonderful. Don't they have this on audiobook? Probably. They have yeah, to, yeah. but I hope it's in a British accent. <laughs> it better be. Would help. I mean, I don't want some American guy reading... C.S. Lewis, no. because the dude gave these things as uh, BBC lectures mm-hmm. during World War II, mm-hmm. and I bet he had a cool accent. He but does, yeah. Yeah. You so can actually you can hear C.S. Lewis's radio recordings if you oh. go online because they still exist. We should put that on Facebook. So he says this about his chapter on sexual morality, which is right before his chapter on marriage. Both good chapters. He says, chastity is the most unpopular of the Christian virtues. I appreciate yeah, his candor, his <laughs> British candor there. Uh, <laughs> there is no getting away from it. The Christian rule is either marriage with complete faithfulness to your partner or else total abstinence. Now, how does this maybe conflict with modern ideas of singleness, do you think? Well, uh, yeah, I was reflecting on this like, just there is no storyline um that views um like a chaste single life and by that mean you're just sexually abstinent there's no storyline in our modern imagination that views that in a positive but plenty that 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 view it in a negative light right? yeah ridicule it so there's like the movie the 40 year old virgin right right that's the about the only place pop pop culture goes right or there's the in the movie zoolander don't recommend that movie, but um, <laughs> everyone who listens to this is over eighteen. So <laughs> okay, right. But um, in that movie, one of the characters makes the passing comment that she hadn't been sexually active for a certain duration of time, and the other character, I think Hansel, uh, he says, "Like, how do you live with yourself?" Yeah, <laughs> and it's this narrative, this cultural narrative that, like, if you're not having frequent sex with whoever you want then there's no purpose in life and yeah and and that's really a lie like scripture pushes back on that hard yeah it says no because there's this higher purpose of christ but we don't really have a narrative in our culture of the value of celibacy the value of self-control the value of of being more than just a a sexual creature yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's almost like we don't even talk about it anymore and if if um you know i grew up um, in this era, you know, and it's like, if you imagine that you're going to remain pure until marriage, like, that's a joke. Yeah. That's a jo- It's not even a serious thing. Even parents don't even take it seriously anymore. Yeah. The kids are going to be kids. Right, right. right. Yeah. And I think we need to kind of see that. I mean, what that does is it really does devalue um sexuality in the correct context well and i think we have a tendency in our culture to hypersexualize everything absolutely yeah yeah and and let's be clear i mean like and if somebody's made mistakes you know if they've you know not been chased or mm-hmm. or, or um sexually um chased you know in their in their relationships there, there's uh, there's forgiveness for that and there's 
you know, I believe that God grants a renewed chastity. He mm-hmm. grants a renewed, you know, healing and virginity to us. Mm-hmm. And, but um, it's just so sad that our culture doesn't value that because the scriptures do. I mean, Jesus, for example, um, Paul, for example. Yeah, right, right. Uh, St. Augustine's a great one because, well, St. Augustine was, he had a girlfriend on the side for a while. Um, well, he was a party animal. He was a right? party animal. Yeah. He was a... Before he was a Christian. A fourth century party animal. Yeah. yeah. But then he eventually became a Christian. He's the one who, who says in his confessions, his, his prayers to God, he, he says there was a point where he said, oh, God, make me chaste, but not just yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> and... But then he came out of that because he realized that there was actually a higher purpose to life than just sexuality. And he lived in a decadent Roman culture, much like our own, that prized yeah. sexuality over everything. Right. And I think, to, in a certain degree, um, Christians are, we have, like, the only view that really makes, can make sense of this, right? Because Christians view sexuality as a as a gift from God, and we mm-hmm. we think actually this is backed up by research, right? That the most enjoyable sexual relationship is within a, a committed context of marriage, and that shouldn't be a surprise right. mm-hmm. to people because it's not just an animal instinct or an appetite, but there's emotion, there's connection, there's a, there's beauty, right? So we we hold that it's a sacred gift from God. And we also hold that it's not ultimate. Right. It's not the giver. It's not the best thing. Whereas if you don't believe in God, um, then it is reduced to uh, primal urges. Mm -hmm. And it's reduced to um, this is how I carry on my lineage, pass on my genes so that my species can evolve. Right. And so my my genetics continue even though I'm dead. And that's my future. And so when we have the gospel that puts it in a context of gift. Mm-hmm. Um, Even a way to serve someone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Then, then it does make sense actually to remain chaste. Yeah. To say, this is a gift from God. I'm going to use it as he pleases. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm going to give it back to him in yeah. trust. Yeah, give it back to him in trust. And this is something we need to be careful of is when we as Christians talk about sexuality, uh, whether it be... Uh, giving it back to God or enjoying it within the proper context of marriage. Like the first thing we need to say about sexuality is that it's good. And uh, we're, like when, when scripture calls us to abstain from sex outside of marriage, God's not blowing up everybody's fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, rather the more valuable a gift is, the more boundaries are put around it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to channel C.S. Lewis again, if you, would permit Go for me. It, yeah. He says in that same chapter, he says, Christianity is almost the only one of the great religions which thoroughly approves of the body, which believes matter is good, that God himself once took on a human body, that some kind of body is going to be given to us even in heaven and is going to be an essential part of our happiness or beauty and our energy. Um, Christianity has glorified marriage more than any other religion, and nearly all the greatest love poetry in the world has been produced by Christians. If anyone says that sex in itself is bad, Christianity contradicts him at once. But then he goes on to talk about how our society has just become so obsessed with it 
that it really shows that we have things out of order and and chastity or or celibacy is is a way of putting that back in order Hmm. yeah so good i think we're trying to cover the the biblical kind of witness and i think if we are going to give some advice to singles i think i I would want to start with with this one and that first advice as you're living out your single life is just to know that you are enough in the gospel yeah that you Mm -hmm. have you have the love to which marriage points already in your relationship with Christ. And I think the more you find your contentment in the beautifulness, beauty <laughs> of that relationship, uh, the the less discontent you'll be with your earthly circ- circumstances uh, and the more um, stable you'll be, right? You mm-hmm. won't be tossed around by your emotionality, but you'll find your love and contentment in Christ. Yeah, yeah, and... And and let's be clear that Jesus is not a consolation prize for the single. Yeah. Like, oh, well, I, you're single, but you get Jesus, so right. it's okay. No, 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 stop, stop, stop. Uh, no, Jesus is the highest prize for everyone, mm-hmm. whether married or single. And if you are single, Jesus is more than enough. And if you are single and you're going to get married, in your marriage, Jesus must be more than enough. Um, and this really just calls for, for people, whether they're married or single, just to every day remember their baptisms and remember that I've got everything I need in Christ. So I'm now free to serve. I'm, I'm free to serve as a single person, wherever God has placed me in my church, in my work, in my neighborhood. I'm, and if I'm married, if God grants me that gift, I'll serve there too. Yeah. So I think this, the second thing that I would um, probably say here is that if you are single, take advantage of the opportunity that you have. Take advantage of the, ex- if you know, you don't have to raise kids, you don't have to do the whole sports routine, mm-hmm. the whole school routine. Well, look, where can you contribute? And the answer that St. Paul gives is in pleasing the Lord by participating in the work of the church, mm-hmm. which is your earthly family or your heavenly family. And so take that opportunity to, to serve mm-hmm. and uh, just relish in that, that reality that you get to take have an, an even greater impact often mm-hmm. than those who are married. Yeah, I mean, just really get rooted and grounded in Jesus and his love for you uh, in studying the scriptures and becoming a more and more mature Christian. Um, use that season of your life. So if you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're uh, a young adult, um, if you're in a season in life where you're single, uh, use that as a good time to grow in Christ so that that growth continues uh, if God does call you to marriage. And, you know, to be honest, that actually might mean that you break up with somebody. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you're in a relationship with someone and this person is not a Christian, or you have to really bend over backwards to convince yourself that this person's a Christian, or this person is just not leading you towards Christ. Maybe they're tempting you to compromise in your beliefs or your actions. Then, hey, it'd be great to, to break up with that person uh, and and to use that time to, to grow in the Lord. Hmm. And maybe eventually you'll come back to that relationship, you know, if you yeah. break up with somebody and you say, hey, I want to work on my relationship with Jesus, that person might say, well, hmm, 
good idea. Yeah, me too, possibly. Me too. <laughs> I, th- uh, I yeah. think, yeah, I think that's an interesting uh, point. And I think the only way you would be able to do that is if you are secure in yeah. your relationship with the Lord. Because I know a lot of people who are just, they just cannot be without the affection of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they'll just go from one to the next, searching mm-hmm. and searching and never finding. But if we're secure in the Lord, uh, we're not desperate for love. And so we're, yeah. we're ready to receive a, you know, a spouse as a gift. Right. Um, rather than a desperate need we're clinging to. And, and you know, to break up with somebody and to go into kind of a wilderness time where you're, you're feeling, you're dealing with all the stuff you didn't want to deal with of, you know, all those underlying things that, that maybe you're trying to have healed through a boyfriend or girlfriend. If you, you go into the wilderness for a bit and have Jesus take those, that's a painful process at times. But it's better to get that stuff figured out while you're single than, than when you're married. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. Good. Um, let's see. Again, if, yeah, if, you are, if you are single and seeking a godly spouse, we would just say pray for that. Yeah. Pray for that gift. Pray for that prepare gift. Prepare for it mm-hmm. as if, you know, um, you know, prepare your habits for that. Prepare your, um, your mentality. And I think just there's no better way to do that than being in love with the Lord mm-hmm. and following his leading in this because then yeah. you'll be ready to not only um, take from somebody but also to give and the more you're in love with Jesus the more you're going to f- seek somebody who's like him mm-hmm. yeah we'd also say this too is that you know if if you are single and 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 you believe that that God has potentially called you to marriage uh, don't fall into legalistic thinking and you know if I am good enough God will give me a spouse um, you know, and sometimes I think like in the, like the late nineties, early two thousands, there were these, these books like I Kiss Dating Goodbye yeah. or, uh, Passion and Purity, you know, these books that like, um, you have to stop, you know, dating somebody so that you can pray and ask God if he will give you like a burning bush sign that you're supposed to marry this person. You know, we don't want to be legalistic about it. Right. Uh, yeah. Or, or to think. The re, you know, if I just behave good enough, God will answer my prayer for a spouse. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's a good way to turn God into Santa Claus. Like and, a slot machine, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's that consolation prize thinking mm-hmm. that, well, I guess I'll have Jesus and, until he gives me a spouse. Right. And, and, and with that too is, is don't expect that if you pray and do everything the right way that God's going to give you a perfect marriage. Yeah. Because, and this is one of the legalisms that I think came out of like this purity culture of like the youth group culture mm-hmm. of like the early 2000s mm-hmm. that I, I grew up in and yeah. maybe you grew up in too. Some. Is this idea that like, it's, it's, it's kind of like using God like a slot machine. That if you pray and if you do the right things and if you only hold hands before marriage, you know, yeah, right. that you're going to, you're going to have this super blessed marriage that's never going to have any problems. You're You're just going to completely fulfilled. You're going to (laughs) just, in every aspect, you're just going to pray together all the time and and sing hymns and yeah, you're going to have the perfect marriage, perfect marriage. But then like surprise, when you get married, God is weaving together the lives of two sinful, broken people. And that's where God's at work. (laughs) So just be aware of that. Uh, Man, Christian romance novels probably don't help with this. (laughs) 
to be honest. Well, they're just essentially Twilight. It's like a... (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, uh, how about one more point? Uh, Um, Well, I think, you know, I think there's a risk here because even as we're talking, you know, um, I think we need to be open to the, the fact and maybe even pursuing that we might not ever be married. Yeah. It's a little bit easy for me to say that I was married pretty young, so were you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there might be, there is a honorable way of life um, that there's no shame in the church to be a single person devoted to God. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's maybe where we, we should end this is just just to remind you again, like if you if that's if that's you, you're a single person by maybe you're widowed or even divorced, mm-hmm. um, or you're single, uh, never been married. Mm-hmm. That you're not less than no. in the kingdom of God. Um, you are a full citizen, full participant, and even at a, at an advantage. And I would even encourage people to really study some early church history. Mm-hmm. Uh, read up on the lives of the saints. Yep. Because whether it be Mother Teresa or it be uh, St. Augustine or um, Jerome or Athanasius, uh, just these beautiful lives in the history of the church. And these people, they were so captivated by the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. They were so captivated by the beauty of Jesus that they 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 didn't go after marriage. Mm-hmm. And the world thought they were crazy, but but they were just so fixated on Jesus. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. I think, honestly, that's something that, that we need to reclaim. And I believe that one of the most countercultural things that young people can do is embrace celibacy, singleness, for the sake of the gospel, or embrace... Christian marriage for mm-hmm. the sake of the gospel because those are both beautiful avenues of service. Yeah. And and we want to we want to keep it countercultural, right? We want to yeah. be going against the grain of the way that world does things. Yeah, Christianity is the is the last punk rock left. It is. Yeah. Um so to to leave you with one final thought, I think just just think about this. Jesus the perfect human. Mhm. At absolutely nailed every single uh, yeah. requirement from God the Father, never took a wife. Right. Lived his whole life dedicated to his friends. Yes. Yeah. And so you are, you're in good company. So hope that's uh, useful for you guys, and uh, God's peace be with you. We're going to continue on in this uh, Save to Serve series, heading into the family zone, and we'll have marriage uh, next week with our spouses here. Maybe we'll get some mom jokes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Do moms have jokes? I, I don't want to comment. Okay. On that. <laughs>